This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Terry Eastland, expert on all things, uh, all legal matters. And uh, Terry, it has been a big week for court watchers and for the Obama administration. Well, I must say that is uh, the case. In fact, it's been a terrific week for Obama. This may be one of the best weeks of his presidency. In fact, I should say it may be in the top two or three. Uh, he has gotten uh, victories in the Supreme Court that he didn't anticipate getting. Um, I wrote about one for the new issue of the magazine, in fact. There's a case out of Texas dealing with the Fair Housing Act and how it should be interpreted, and uh, that was a case that most people thought the judicial conservatives on the court would prevail in, but it turned out the other way. Uh, Justice Kennedy uh, writes uh, an opinion that is joined by the four judicial liberals, and what do you know, you have... You have the court now saying that so-called disparate impact uh, is a can be a basis for claiming discrimination under the Fair Housing Act, and that is not something that we expected, many of us expected, would happen, whether on the right or the left. Well, that's uh, one of the cases that didn't get a lot of attention. Obviously, the two that did were the Obamacare case and the uh, same-sex marriage case. And right. just uh, before well, we I- talk more about politics... The uh, judicial underpinnings of those rulings, starting with the same-sex marriage case. Right. Well, the the reason I mentioned the uh, Texas case first was because my editorial said that look, th- this this case was not as uh, the decision was not as bad as it could have been. I must say that the decision in the in the, uh, in the other two cases were much worse on the merits, and uh, uh, the judicial underpinning really for the the the, the the, the King versus Burwell case, that, that is a case um, of statutory interpretation. In other words, the court is trying to figure out the meaning of a statute, and it looked pretty clear what it should be. That is to say that uh, they were puzzling over uh, this notion of, of, of an exchange uh, that is within, embedded within the, uh, the health care law, and whether there are state exchanges, whether the exchanges... Um, uh, or are federal uh, are allowable as well, and so that was the issue. And uh, I think the fair argument there is that the court just just again rewrote the statute to to reach the result it wanted, and that was to say that plan the health care plan that Obama had legislated in 2010 that um, that it is constitutional and we don't have to change it. Uh, now to the uh, same-sex marriage case where uh, the. Uh crowds who gathered to celebrate this and the, uh, the the pundits who celebrated it, and they truly did celebrate, uh, many of them for personal reasons. Many of them are uh, members of same-sex couples who want to get married, and they feel personally happy, and I completely get that. They argue that this is, in, in a sense, 
the civil rights rulings by the Supreme Court in the past, and that the Supreme Court should be very, very proud of what they did, and that they will bask in historical glory one day because of this. Uh, do you agree? Well, it, the future always uh, is difficult to predict. Uh, they may be right. Uh, they may be wrong. Uh, all we can ask is whether uh, what was done in this decision was uh, proper. And I think that the answer to that question is is no. I mean, in other words, uh, things could turn out as so those advocates of same-sex marriage say, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the decision uh, this morning is the correct one. And again, the problem uh, in the case is, is this. The question is, uh, who should decide this issue? Should it be the people uh, in, of the states, or should it be the judges uh, on the Supreme Court? And there is no jurisdiction in the Constitution for judges to decide the case. And on the various uh, theories that, that that might sustain such an idea as same-sex marriage, um, uh, frankly, in, in Justice Kennedy's handling of them, uh, he does a very poor job. In other words, you wonder how you could actually uh, support same-sex marriage on the various bases that he uh, put forward. And quite quite striking, it seems to me, is the fact that you have an opinion which barely recognizes what I think will be a conflict in the weeks and months and years ahead, and that is the conflict between same-sex marriage and religious liberty. He devotes in, in just one paragraph to that question at the very end of the opinion. And he's interested, uh, he, it's interesting that he, he says that um, uh, religious people have the right who, who oppose same-sex marriage, have the right to advocate their point of view, um, and and yet it is the free exercise of religion, not just the advocacy, but the exercise, and he doesn't talk about the actual text of the First Amendment. It's quite interesting that he instead uses a different verb, uses the verb advocate. That is an uh, interesting which, point. Which there... falls, yeah, which falls short of actual exercise of religion. Right. So... Um... The uh, the part that bothered me as a complete non-jurist, I mean, I, I don't even watch that many legal TV shows, was when President Obama was taking uh, yet another victory lap after the ruling, and he said, we should be proud of what we've done together. We've shown that we can change people's minds. Uh, uh, you know, this is a great moment for us. We've made our union a little more perfect. And to paraphrase the old joke, Terry, what do you what do you mean we, Kimosabi? Who are you calling we, Kimosabi? We didn't do anything. The court denied the American people the opportunity to decide that they wanted this civil right, the right to civil marriage, to extend to same-sex couples, something that the vast majority of states were in the process of doing or were no doubt going to do. Right. In other words, uh, what kind of victory is it? But I want to go back to your use of the royal or the imperial we. Uh, it's it's a you know it's appropriate. Let's say I'm a member of a church and I'm in my congregation, and the pastor says we or let us pray or whatever. It's a collective we. It's understood. It's the pastor and his congregation. But you know when the president of the United States goes around and talks about we when the country is badly divided, it makes no sense. It seems to me, and it's presumptive, presumptuous to use that kind of language. Um, I think what has happened here is, we, is that we have had cut short a debate that had been ongoing. I think everyone will agree that it had been interesting. It had covered a multitude of issues and and uh, from many directions. Um, certainly the debate has not been stifled in any way, but should it be discontinued by the judges? And I think that's the issue, and that's where we have a failure here. It should not have happened. Uh, and in is... fact, I would say that if... 
if same-sex marriage wins out eventually, in all, if it were to win out in all 50 states, had we had the debate, I think that right would be far more secure and settled, and there would be, there would be better relations among all people if that's how it happened. But it's not going to happen that way because it's been ended. No, I, I agree with you completely. And when uh, someone goes to a uh, private citizen and asks them to engage in commerce for an event related to a same-sex wedding ceremony, because that uh, you know shop owner, whoever, can say legitimately, "Look, don't look at me. I had nothing to do with this. I didn't even get a chance to vote on this. I didn't even my dissent was ignored." And, you know, get away, get lost. I think you'll see a lot more tension and a lot more hostility than we had to have. I'm predicting that as well. I think you're right. I think um, that the court failed to address the question of whether there is a conflict between religious liberty um, and same-sex marriage. And its failure to do that is significant. Uh, not that they can't do that in a future case, but, but they're going to be confronted, I think, with situations of the kind you described and uh, where there is conflict. Well, well looking important. looking a little bit ahead, let's say that a plaintiff goes to the court of this court and says, I wanted to get married and uh, my interest, you know, and, and this person didn't want to let me use their whatever venue. And they said that their interest in preserving their religious practice of their religion trumped my you know, right to a civil marriage. W can you look at the ruling that was issued today or other cases and, and point at a path that this court is likely to take when those two uh, rights come into conflict? I think Kennedy did not, did not tell us enough in that simple paragraph that he wrote toward the end of his opinion. That's the only paragraph, uh, the only place he addressed this issue, and he really didn't give us enough to go on. And I think it's worrisome that he did not um, uh, treat the issues that came up in oral argument. Um, there, after all, were exchanges between, I believe it was Chief Justice Roberts, uh, and the Solicitor General of the United States, uh, Donald Verrilli, there was an exchange over whether or not um, a, a ruling in favor of same-sex marriage would affect, um, uh, say, religious-based schools that have uh, certain prohibitions against homosexual behavior um, or, or maybe treat uh, those same-sex couples differently than they do... Um, uh, couples of the opposite sex, I guess we should say traditionally married uh, people. So I think that kind of question um, is, is the, the the justices didn't address that question, and yet it's it's a worrisome issue because it came up in oral argument. Uh, the government, in fact, uh, the Solicitor General told uh, the Chief Justice, yes, um, that may well happen in effect. I mean, that's what he implied, seemed to imply. So uh, one last question for you uh, of the two of the two rulings as far as the principles they laid out the principle in the uh, King v. Burwell case, which is that the Supreme Court can in fact decide for itself what a what a uh, legislate what, what a piece of legislation should say separate from what it does says does say right, right. and they can uh, assert that and then the second one that the Supreme Court can divine civil rights literally out of whole cloth offer virtually no you know, legal underpinnings from the Constitution to uh, protect it. Which of the two do you think, uh, you know, sends out the most ripples that will have the longest-term problematic effects? Well, you know, Scalia begins his separate opinion, his dissent uh, in the latter case, the second case, the same-sex marriage case. He begins it by saying that today's decision is a is a, is a threat to the Constitution. <laughs> 
it's a threat to the country, to the de- to, to the uh, to the whole notion that we're a constitutional uh, republic. Constitutional self-government is what we're supposed to be about. Uh, our most fundamental right is that of self-government, and we constitutionalize it, meaning we do it within a certain framework that does uh, create some limits upon what we decide as a people, but they are ones we have agreed to in the beginning or when we have to down through the years. Uh, I think that that is worrisome. I would like to read, if we've got a minute, I would like to read something to you if I can find it, and that is uh, Roberts' dissent uh, in the same-sex marriage case, and this is how he ends it. He says, if you are among the many Americans of whatever sexual orientation who favor expanding same-sex marriage, by all means celebrate today's decision. Celebrate the achievement of a desired goal. Celebrate the opportunity for a new expression of commitment to a partner. Celebrate the availability of new benefits. But do not celebrate the Constitution. It had nothing to do with it. I respectfully dissent. Uh, And I think he's absolutely right. The Constitution had nothing to do with the way the judges ruled in this case. Terry Eastland, thank you so much for sharing your time with us here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. Well, thank you, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.